Welcome back to another episode of the Shifting Podcast. I'm Ed Brutusel. Uh Well, we made it, folks. This is the end of 2020. And uh, not the grand finale that we were certainly hoping for. Um, Going to go out on a limb here and say worse than the uh, Game of Thrones finale, but, you know, you can correct me on that. Um, anyhow, um, you know, I wanted to do an abbreviated episode to kind of wrap up the year, and I don't usually do this... Um, you know, but 2020, we've done a lot of things we don't usually do. Um, this has kind of been the year of pivots, right? We've all had to change careers. We've had to gain new skills or we perhaps we just gained new skills because we were sitting at home. Um, we all had to learn how to use Zoom. Shift Drink actually um, did remote interviews for the first time. And that's always kind of been a tenet of the show that I wouldn't do interviews uh, unless we could sit at the same table and have a drink together. Um, it just seems so much more personal, but you know, obviously things had to change in that regard. We also saw a lot of social unrest and, and justifiably and a little dismayed um, that here we are a couple months later and things have been quieting down to uh, an eerie degree, despite re no real change um, having come forth. And so um but I really want to talk to those of you out there um, and kind of a little bit about the restaurant industry because I lost two of my restaurants this year and uh, one of those restaurants was a decade old, literally, and the other one was seven years old. We couldn't outlast the coronavirus pandemic and all of the shelter-in-place orders. And um, I'm not even in a city where it has been particularly difficult. I mean, it's been particularly difficult everywhere, but it has certainly been worse in New York or California. And so here, you know, we had our shelter in place order that ended uh, in the middle of June when we were able to reopen. But again, you know, we all had to pivot. We had to learn how to become carryout restaurants or uh, taquerias, or um, we aren't allowed to sell mixed drinks uh, for carryout in the state of Indiana. And so we had to scrape together whatever we could and sell merchandise at the Inferno Room. And I guess that's kind of what I want to talk about is what all of you out there can do to help this because the stimulus act that they just passed doesn't do shit for bars and restaurants. And I can tell you there is a doomsday. I have restaurant owner friends all over the country and due to the show, a lot of friends that own bars and uh, you know people that I talk to on a pretty regular basis some people that own top 50 bars in the world, some people that own top 50 restaurants in the world, um, and people that work within those places. And I can tell you, everybody gives me the same date, March of 2021. If something doesn't change, if we continue on the trajectory that we are currently on, they will be closed in March of 2021. And I can tell you, we're in the same boat. It's very difficult out here right now. I don't care how well you think a place is doing. And I am excluding chain restaurants here. Yeah, I see the line at Chick-fil-A. I see the line at McDonald's. I get it. They're doing fine. I'm not worried about them. Amazon, they're doing fine. Not worried about it. But I can tell you the independents, regardless of how busy they might look, they are not making money. Everybody's operating in the red, and we're all, like, fingers crossed, hoping that we can make it through until tomorrow. Sometimes we might look busy. You know, I get that comment a lot. Well, wow, this is great. You guys are busy. And, you know, the reason I feel busy and I, and I do get frustrated, frustrated and flustered because I used to have a lot of employees helping me, but we just simply can't afford employees anymore. You know, everybody has cut, 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 cut jobs just to try to save the industry or to save their business, save their life savings, you know, save their career. Um, 
really, really difficult decisions have been made this year. Um, decisions that in January would have never come across our minds as something that we would ha ever have to think about. We certainly had not considered what the repercussions of a global pandemic would be on the hospitality industry. As we approach 2021 and we hear that date of March, what I really want everybody out there to do is if you have the ability and it is within your means, please support the locally owned independent restaurants out there because I can tell you they need it. They need it badly. Buy a meal kit, buy a meal, get carry out, get to go cocktails, ask them if they sell wine by the bottle, ask them if they will sell a six pack of beer, whatever it is that you can do, you know, please support. But I will have to tell you that we're beyond that being the savior for the restaurant industry. I know this is a very pessimistic view on the whole situation, but your dollars alone aren't enough anymore. Right now, your voice is just as important as your money. The government has been largely ignoring the problems and the collapse of the independent restaurant industry. There have been no real representatives bringing up the issue. We watched three presidential debates, or I guess two in a town hall, the early fall, and not one time were restaurants brought up. The collapse of an entire industry, not only that, but the third largest employer in the United States. When we collapse, and again, it looks like it's impending doom at the moment, unless we see something major change. And I, and I realize they've just passed a stimulus act, but they'd cut out all the verbiage that would have actually been beneficial to us. You know, they're putting the PPP loans back out there again. I've talked about those on the show numerous times. It's not a savior for the restaurant. But how an employer of so many people in the industry, uh, or I'm sorry, in the country, and when that collapses, not only do those folks lose their jobs, but you also have to think about all of the ancillary businesses. You know, the people that deliver the food from the farms, the farmers themselves, the company that uh, washes the linens, the guy that washes the linens, the guy that drives the linens to us. And I'm not talking about fancy tablecloths, you know, just the towels that we use, the uniforms that we use, all those things that we're really using um, a lot of right now because of sanitation. Uh, on top of, you know, the paper goods and the mechanical services and all of these things, you know, that are... Um, kind of surrounding the restaurant industry, but not directly involved. And so all of those places are kind of at risk as well if the collapse in restaurant industry occurs in 2021. And I know that there's not going to be a complete collapse. But what I can tell you is that when I was growing up, we didn't have this farm-to-table kind of explosion of choice that we have today where you can kind of go anywhere and you can find a charcuterie board or you can find a pickled tongue or you know, foie gras or whatever it is on the menu. You know, you just even, you know, all delicious vegan options, things like you just couldn't find that stuff. And so we've really been enjoying a boom in the uh, kind of farm to table movement and craft cocktail industry since 2008, 2009. You know, I, I kind of mark it 2010 really being the start of the wave. Um, you know, if we're using a uh, tsunami metaphor, 2005 and six might have been uh, the earthquake that caused it, but we really got the wave going in 2010. And t between 2010 and this year, it has been a force of nature. We've seen openings, we've seen creativity like you've never seen before. Uh, we've seen the rise of the celebrity chef and the celebrity bartender, or I'm sorry, star attender, and all of these things. And it was a really exciting time. But then you get to February of 2020, and it all gets pulled out from underneath us. Arguably, some of those things don't need to come back. But 
to see 10 years of work wiped away with the mishandling of a pandemic and the mishandling of aid to independent restaurants and bars. And so there is a real shot to fix this, but there isn't going to be a shot to fix this without the Fed. As I said earlier, we're past your dollars being able to do the job. They certainly help and they keep us unlocking the door every day. But for the long term, if you want us to be able to stay in business, we need you writing, emailing, calling, whatever way you can to your legislators. And I mean all of them from the local level all the way up to the president. Because until we are heard, nothing will happen. It wasn't even voiced in the, during the election. It was just completely stripped out of the stimulus act that uh, passed last week. You know, there was a section that was dedicated solely to restaurants. All of that was stripped away. And so it really sends a message to us that we have been left out there to fend for ourselves. We've been hung out to dry, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, but we're on our own. That's tough to deal with because we are an industry that is the least prepared to be able to handle a disaster of this magnitude. Our margins are typically only 6 to 8%. You can eke out another percent or two on either side, but that's kind of the general range. And I remember the time that it really hit me during the pandemic of just how bad um, it could get was when I read a medium.com article, I believe, that said why independent restaurants are fucked or why restaurants are fucked or something of that nature. And if I find the article um, after I record this intro, I will link it in the show notes because it is important um, despite it being nine months old now. But a lot of the things they mentioned there have come true. Anyhow, uh, when I was reading that article, it mentioned a couple of other uh, industries and what the margins were. And I, saw, I read that well, banking was like 18 or 19%. And, and it just blew my mind because I've spent my whole life and my whole career in hospitality. And to me the slim margins and the living the equivalent of paycheck to paycheck was just the way of life. You know, you're always spending next week's money today on vegetables or liquor to sell to hope that you can pay for the bills next week. And so, you know, you're always kind of in this vicious cycle of uh, spending money that you don't really have so you can pay the invoice by the time it comes due. And it's a very rough way to live if that's the way you're living personally, and it's a very rough way to live if that's the way you're running your business. And unfortunately, that's how the restaurant and hospitality industry is set up here, because of the small margins that we have. And when I say here, I don't mean just in the United States. I mean across the board. Across the board, it is not an industry where anyone gets rich. Um, you can't point to any one restaurateur and say, hey, that guy got rich uh, from owning a restaurant. It didn't happen. Um, and so... As we look to 2021, I really want your voice out there. I want your voice to be heard. Just demand that they pay attention to us. Demand that they allocate some energy and some funding to us. You know, we all pay thousands of dollars every month on insurance policies. Um, one of the uh, one of the sections of our insurance policy is for business stoppage that pays out if we, you know, we're had to have to close for an act of God or whatever. Um, I don't know if they say act of God, but um, we were told to close as a civil order in March. We were not able to um, bring that back and to a level of openness until June. We did not qualify for business stoppage. Um, some policies have it written in that uh, pandemics and epidemics um, are excluded from coverage. Um, 
but there's a lot of gray area. And please go back to previous episode with uh, Eric Mersch and Kimberly Klinger to hear us talk more about that in Thirst Group. But they refuse to pay us out on um, any of that. And so as we're out here kind of left hanging with nobody left to support us, um, we're asking you. And I may just be a dude with a microphone and I don't have any real power, but all of us together do. We all have a voice. And since there is no one voice for the restaurant industry, I would love for the uh, U.S. government to hear millions of voices. And hell, for that matter, uh, every country, you know, get in contact with your legislators and let them know that you demand help for independent restaurants and bars. You demand whatever it is that they can do, that they pay attention to it, they talk about it. In fact, I've been talking about it with every breath that I have. I've now become the annoying guy. Um, if somebody comes into my restaurant and says, hey, how are things? I stopped with the niceties about five months ago um, because I realized that most people really didn't realize how bad it's, it's been. And because none of us really um, speak up and say, not good. You know, we're not doing well. We risk closure within the next few weeks. No one answers that way. And so I, after a conversation I had with Southern Teague, just after the shutdowns uh, were imposed in March, I kind of, I, we kind of, uh, I don't want to say a pact, but, you know, we just made an agreement with each other that, you know, if, if the media came calling, we were going to make sure that they heard the honest story and not a glossed over, um, you know, candied version of what's happening. And, you know, I see that a lot. I see a lot of, uh, well, how are you doing? Uh, you know, it's rough now, but we're going to come out of this stronger than ever, or the restaurant business is going to be better than it ever was. And the fact is, none of us know that. None of us know any of that. We're, we're just trying to get through right now. And we have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side. People's habits have changed now. It only takes 30 days to develop a new habit. I think you've probably all heard that. Well, we've had well more than 30 days in between the, uh, the initial shelter-in-place order and the end of the year. And so people's habits have changed. And those changes could potentially impact the restaurant industry in a very big way. Uh, people have now started eating at home or they've started eating closer to their home. Uh, the cities are ghost towns. Uh, because office workers are all either working for home or they've been laid off. And so every major metropolitan area, or at least downtown area of those cities, uh, it, they're ghost towns now. And so there's a lot of real estate. Um, there's a lot of impact we're already seeing economically. Uh, so many restaurants and bars have already closed. Hell, I think I just counted 40-something uh, in Indianapolis alone the, uh, the other day. And that means you know all those liquor licenses are now trying to be sold to somebody. And there are vultures out there, folks. I'm telling you, you're going to be left with a lot of chain restaurants because when I closed my restaurants, both of them had potential um, tenants very soon afterwards. Now, I don't want to call them vultures. I don't even know who they are. Nothing has opened since then. But I can tell you that uh, representatives from Fridays and Dunkin' Donuts have both said that like, they are going to come out of this uh, in a very good way because they will have an opportunity to be able to buy up real estate and the licensing that they need uh, inexpensively. And um, the undertone of that is that they are preying on us. Um, and so that's what people aren't really hearing is the uh, kind of between the lines message. And so, again, I, I don't want to belabor this, but, you know, we need you. And I don't mean once. I, we need you constantly. Just take 10 minutes of every day. If you like the restaurants that you go to that you take your family to the bar where you like to wrap up your night you know when your friends are in town or 
you know, the, that first place that you met your significant other or, you know, just the neighborhood watering hole. If you enjoy any of that, they need your help. I, I don't care who they are or how long they've been there. They need your help. I don't care what their politics are. They need your help. I don't care what they tell you or how well they're doing. They need your help. Please, there are websites out there, tons of them. And uh, before I air this, I will dig up and put in some show notes um, some sites that you can uh, utilize that will automatically send uh, messages that you have customized to your legislators uh, from the local all the way up to the Fed. And that's what we need. We need every single person in a position of power to be paying attention because we're about to lose an entire industry and I don't think any of us want to see what's on the other side of that. So, um, again, your voice is just as important as your dollars. It's time to wrap up 2020. It's been a rough year. We've lost friends, family, businesses. Um, we haven't seen the ones that are still around. You know, we've been locked up. We've gone stir crazy. We've been suffering depression. Um, we've, gone down weird internet rabbit holes. We've all learned how to bake bread. Um, I learned how to work on my own car. And, you know, those are the kind of fun things that came out of the year. But I can tell you, they've all been uh, distractions from what's really been happening. And unfortunately, I haven't had the, uh, the luxury of being able to be distracted for very long. I do want to mention that one of the ways I stay distracted is this show. And you guys do mean a lot to me. And over this year, particularly, I've gotten a lot of messages. Um, I've been a guest on a couple of podcasts since the year started. Um, I've chatted with a lot of you folks online. I love to hear from you guys. Um, I'm not on Twitter much, but you can certainly message me on Instagram. Um, I'm occasionally on Facebook, but Instagram is really the place to find me. I I love this show. I love all of you. I love running into you. I miss being able to go to uh, to a, a cocktail fest or a tiki convention or something of that nature and being able to sit and have a daiquiri with you and chat. And it's hard to even wrap my head around any of those things happening. You know, when I recorded the episodes um, at Inouye in Atlanta with Jason Alexander uh, and Sven Kirsten, we had no idea that literally before those episodes would post that the entire country would be on lockdown. It seems so medieval now to think back to February when we went to Trader Vic's and myself, uh, my friend Lee from House Alpins, uh, Sven Kirsten, and uh, Dave Hansen from Lake Tiki Woodcraft shared a uh, tiki bowl at Trader Vic's in Atlanta. I mean, t- to think about sharing anything with anyone now, even people you live with, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around. So having this show has certainly been a way for me to kind of... Um, I guess, keep me only on one antidepressant rather than multiples. Um, It's been really cool chatting with you. I've actually um, developed some really close friendships with several of you, and it's it's all been because of this show, and and I really am thankful for that. Um, Additionally, um, I would like to take this opportunity to announce that I am currently working on another show. Um, It's called A440. It will be a podcast very much in the format of Shift Drink, um, but it's going to be all interviews with musicians. So uh, my co-host will be uh, a f- good friend of mine, Kevin Franzen. He is a um, 
He's a liquor rep. He works for Southern Wine and Spirits in Indiana, but uh, obviously all views are not his, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, we're both metalheads, um, and we were just talking about how the uh, underground bands really don't get enough love. You know, you don't see too many interviews with them in the mainstream media, and not that I'm mainstream in the closest bit, but we just uh, would love to put a microphone in front of some people. And since we've been doing uh, the Zoom interviews on Shift Drink lately, it does make it a little bit easier um, to do those sorts of things. And uh, a lot of this was also born out of the ideas. I've been talking with a, one of my favorite musicians, actually, on Instagram lately about getting him on Shift Drink, uh, about a beer he's collaborated on and his band has collaborated on. But uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss that at the moment because um, we haven't gotten the date and the interview confirmed yet. But, you know, this show has become something that I very much look forward to on a uh, weekly basis and uh, despite how much work it can be and production and all that um, my producer Brad Shoemaker has definitely always been there at midnight when I'm panicking and my microphone doesn't work and so yeah it's been enough of an inspiration that uh, we are now going to spin off a second part which is going to be A440 so again we don't have the website up quite yet you can look for that in January it'll definitely be announced on all uh, mediums social media mediums um, on Shift Drink, uh, but you will also be able to find us at a440podcast.com. That's a440podcast.com. Uh, but again, that website is not up and operational yet. So here's to a great new year. I hope you guys have a blast. I hope to see each other soon, and I hope there's a fucking vaccine and we can all get back to normal sometime in 2021.